Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. Take our words and speak through them. Take our ears and hear through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you, our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. This morning, I want to share with you some things about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Trinity, God the Father, our Creator, God the Son, our Redeemer and Savior, God the Holy Spirit, God is within us eternally. Three in one, one in three. Through the Holy Spirit, we today can experience God's love just as those 2,000 plus years ago experienced God through Jesus' ministry. We see the activity of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. The Spirit was active in creation The Holy Spirit anointed particular people for particular tasks such as creativity, leadership, strength, freedom, prophecy. The Holy Spirit prepared for the coming of Jesus and was active in the life of Jesus and in the activity of the early church. Today we'll move through some examples in Scripture from both the Old and the New Testaments of personal encounters of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was promised by the Father and is for all people, regardless of age or gender, and God's same promise is also for us today. Nigel Skelsky of London was an ambitious young man, and he really wanted to succeed in the photographic industry. He got a job in an ailing publishing company as a T-boy. This company had gotten itself into trouble, and everybody resigned, including the editor and the managing director. And so the only person left was Nigel, who went from being the T-boy to the managing director. He turned the company right around and made it very successful. But he wasn't satisfied. He found another magazine and did the same turnaround, but he wasn't satisfied. So he set up his own photographic magazine that became a very successful uh, endeavor of all of them, but he wasn't satisfied. Then he wanted to be the pictures editor of a major national newspaper in England. So he became the the uh, pictures editor of the... Sunday Telegraph, but he wasn't satisfied. So here he was, a very successful uh, businessman. He had a great job, earned lots of money, had a beautiful wife, two great sons, and drove a Porsche 911. And yet, he said, he was so unhappy. He went to stay with some friends in Switzerland, and they told him about the Alpha Course, which we've been going through. And how it was possible to have an experience of the Holy Spirit. The love of God being poured into our hearts. And so he said he wanted to have that same experience. So when he came back to London, he went to the Alpha Course that he'd heard about that Saturday night. 
He wanted to possibly experience this Holy Spirit experience. He said that had been a long, he'd been longing for that. But soon, he became deeply depressed. He felt like he was being torn in two. Halfway through the course, he realized the prize, which was the Holy Spirit, was so near, but it was taking so much time. He had impatience. He literally wanted to scream out, Do it now! Do it now! I can't hold out any longer. Then the Holy Spirit came. And oh, what a relief. For the first time in his life, he felt normal. He lit, <clears throat> it seemed like a strange thing to say, but he kept hitting him just how normal he felt. And he also felt loved. That's what the experience of the Holy Spirit is all about. Feeling loved. I feel accepted for who I am and how I feel. As in the words from Paul in Philippians, Nigel expressed so deeply how he felt about his achievements. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Feeling loved, and that's what it's all about. We are loved. God wants us to know that He loves us. He wants us to feel His love. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. For a long time in the church, the Holy Spirit has been ignored. There's been too much concentration on God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, but not so much on God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's also been misunderstood. There's a story of one church in central London where there was a, which was a very formal church. And they were a bit nervous about talking about the Holy Spirit or, as we say in right one, the Holy Ghost. The wo a woman was attending and she'd just become a Christian. And she'd experienced the, the Holy Spirit within her. And she was really excited. In the middle of the service, she yelled, Hallelujah! And the church warden came up to her and tapped her on the shoulder and said, you mustn't say that here. She said, but I'm so excited. I got religion. And he said, well, you didn't get it here. <clears throat> the first point of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. This isn't something new. It goes right back to the creation story in Genesis, the first chapter in Genesis. Let's look a little bit at the history of the Holy Spirit from Genesis right through Revelation. Now, we're going to miss out on a few verses because I don't have enough time to go through all of them, but here's where we'll start. Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was waiting to do something new, to bring out of chaos the cosmos, out of disorder to bring order, out of confusion to bring harmony, out of deformity, beauty, out of oldness, newness. The Holy Spirit always brings new things into our lives, new attitudes, 
new desires, new ways of worship, new songs. But most of us are a little conservative by nature. We're a little bit nervous. And if you're anything like me, you don't like change. The second point is that the Spirit came to particular people at particular times for particular tasks. The Holy Spirit is the Creator Spirit and wants to bring new things. From the start of the Bible all the way through, we see the Holy Spirit coming on particular people at particular times for particular tasks that the Spirit is calling them to do. For example, he came on Bezalel in Exodus, and it reads, Then the Lord said to Moses, See how I've chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all of crafts, to make artistic designs of work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. So the Spirit fills us, fills His people. And we can be a talented musician without the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit of God brings a new dimension to everything that we do. And we see that through the course of history. How extraordinary ways the Holy Spirit filled people like Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, Johann Sebastian Bach, Handel. Think about Handel's Messiah. In 1741, Handel suffered a stroke. He had a paralyzed right arm, blurred vision, and was not in good health. And work had dried up. He was asked to set some bits of the Bible to music. And he composed the music for the Messiah. The whole thing in 24 days. And the Hallelujah Chorus he said, I, didn't think, I did think I saw heaven open and I saw the very face of God. His bibliographer wrote, Handel's Messiah has probably done more to convince thousands of, that there is a God more than any theological writer writing text and perhaps the work of no other composer so largely contributed to the relief of human suffering. And it's not just about the past. Today, God is filling people with the Holy Spirit for artistic ability. I look at our choir. I look at the artist Charles McKenzie created the sculpture of the prodigal son. And that sculpture has inspired so many people to understand what God is like. To understand that God is a loving father who wanted to embrace us in his arms. So the Holy Spirit fills us for whatever we're involved in. It could be music or art or whatever you do in your workplace. The Spirit of God wants to fill us with skill and ability and creativity in all that we do. We look to Gideon for leadership in Judges. It reads, The Lord turned to me, Gideon, and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. I am, not, am I not sending you? 
But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. God, God called Gideon to lead Israel after being overrun by the Midianites. And Gideon's response is, look, I'm so weak. It's an amazing thing, though, what God uses people for who feel weak, inadequate, or ill-equipped. How does the Holy Spirit do it? In verse 34 of Judges, it said, And then the Spirit came upon Gideon. How about Samson for power and strength? The, Lord of the, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes of his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. That comes from Judges. So often what happens in the Old Testament in a physical way happens in the New Testament in a spiritual way. So just as God's Spirit gave Samson physical strength to break free from his bindings, so the Holy Spirit today gives us freedom to break the habits, the addictions, the stuff that keeps us spiritually bound. Let's look at Isaiah for prophecy. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because He's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness of the prisoners. This is an amazing thing that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He gives us the ability to help people, to set people free. It's about making a difference in the world. So many times I wanted to help people, but I didn't feel I had anything to give them. When the Spirit of God fills me and fills you, we can help people, the poor, the brokenhearted, the homeless, and the helpless. We can help bind them up. And then proclaim freedom to the captives. Some people are set free instantly. Others of us, it takes a longer time. I, I can identify with something that Bono, the lead singer in U2, has said. His words, I am lost, I was lost, I am found. It's probably more accurate to say, I'm really lost, and I'm a little less at the moment, and then a little less, and then a little less again. The spiritual life, to me, is like a slow reworking and rebooting of a computer at regular intervals. Reading the small print in the service manual, it has slowly rebuilt me in a better image. It's taken a lot of years, and it's not over yet. But Jesus sets us free. He sets the captives free. Proclaim freedom for the prisoners. To release from darkness those in prison, either physically or spiritually. One of the things that deeply satisfying is to see people who physically are in prison set free by Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. And I often sometimes think they're freer in prison than some people are outside prison, the prison walls, who are in kind of a spiritual captivity. I have a very dear and good friend who is currently in prison 
for a very wrong choice that he made. But he has regained his life by returning to God through prayer, Bible study, reading the homilies that I send him, and I send him this Alpha series, and so he is reading and studying it. The Holy Spirit gives us that freedom, and we can proclaim that, and we can bring it to other people, and that's a huge blessing. The third point is the Holy Spirit was promised by the Father. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit comes on particular people at particular times for particular tasks. And as we go through the Old Testament, there's a kind of rising sense of anticipation that something new is going to happen. And this new thing is called the promise of the Father. If we turn to Ezekiel, the Lord says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. It's as if the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, all these laws and decrees were out there. And the people looked at them and said, they're good rules, they're good things, but we can't keep them. And therefore, they became a burden to the people because they just felt guilty and they weren't able to keep them. The Spirit gives us a desire, a life to live that is more loving, more kind, and more generous. The Holy Spirit will take away our heart of stone and give us hearts of flesh. That's the promise of the Father. To whom will it be given? How will it happen? Jesus tells us, or God tells us this in Joel. But afterwards, I will pour out my Spirit on all the people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. This is an amazing thing. And it's for everyone. A little over 15 years ago, I went to a small CME church where my sister-in-law had just been assigned as the new pastor. Their presiding elder was there, and all 15 country families were there. There was praise and worship, and the people were speaking in tongues. And I watched in awe as the Holy Spirit filled that room. It was transforming. I listened to Pastor Penny as she preached her first sermon, and the response was overwhelming. I thought, these folks really know how to worship God. The more I attended, the more I really saw the goodness of God's love, joy, grace, and peace in that little church. Each person who I eventually got to know and love over my 10 years there became a part of my extended family. Their welcoming was just like Jesus being the inviter, truly wanting me to feel a part of their community of faith. And what's even more wonderful is their relationship and outreach 
not just on Sundays. They live their faith every moment, every day. Seven Sundays, that's S-O-N days, a week. Filled with the Holy Spirit. I look back on that time now, and it began my final transition into my ordained ministry. It released the locked-up Holy Spirit in my life to allow me to truly love and serve the Lord. But everyone can serve the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. So particular people at particular times for particular tasks. And then the promise of the Father. I'm going to do something new. It's going to be for everyone. And they waited in the Old Testament. They think, wow, this is exciting. But it didn't happen. And they waited hundreds of years. And then, suddenly, the birth of Jesus. It's like a trumpet sounds and everyone surrounding the birth of Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was given messages as described in the Gospel of Luke. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Then you remember when Mary visited Elizabeth, who was pregnant, and Mary had Jesus in her womb. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, her baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And later in Luke, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Baptism literally means to drench, overwhelm, immerse, plunge. We are filled with the Holy Spirit as the water of baptism is poured over us. And as we read further in Luke, it reads, The Holy Spirit descended upon him, Jesus, in bodily form. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit at his baptism. Jesus then returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. He went into a synagogue and read these words that we have read many times before from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then He sat down. And said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He says, I am the key to all of this. The readings of the Holy Spirit continue through all the Gospels and in the New Testament. Many are found in the Acts of the Apostles. But time doesn't permit me to read all of them. But I want to share one of them from Acts 2. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of all your sins. And you, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
The promise is for you and your children. Not just for the people who were there, but for you and all your children, the next generation, and not just them, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The Holy Spirit gives the prom- this promise of life, of harmony, of beauty for ashes, of creativity, of newness, of strength, of freedom, of compassion, of anointing, of living water. And this promise is for you, and 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 you, and you, and you, and you, and me. As we go forth each day, let us look within ourselves. Listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Listen to the message the Holy Spirit brings to us and be obedient to that message. God loves you. God loves me. He loves all of us. And He will always put forth a message that is to our benefit. Let us pray. O Lord, make us have a perpetual love and reverence for your name through the Holy Spirit. For you never fail to help and govern those whom you have set upon the sure foundation of your loving kindness. Guide us as we move through each day. O Lord, we also ask that you give us words of wisdom to share with those whom we see so that we can help them through their life struggles. Heavenly Father, you gave us your Son, Jesus Christ. He came to serve in your kingdom. Let our lives emulate his service to community. Give us the strength we need to follow in his love that he shared with so many in this world. Let us listen and, be, and feel the Holy Spirit within ourselves and follow where you will lead us. Let us also share your loving your love through everything we do for others. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org and peace be with you.